Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. We're going to be talking about the PS4 Pro and all the improvements. And then we'll speak about Nintendo's game Fire Emblem. Allow me to introduce the people on this podcast. We have two regulars over here. First up, games editor Rishi Alwani. Greetings. And we also have Mikhail Madnani. Hi. And I'm your host Pranay Parab. So let's start with talking about the PS4 Pro. I guess uh, boost mode is the important news here. So what happened late last week was Sony announced that the system software 4.5 is available for beta testers. So if you signed up for the beta for testing Sony system software before it's made available to everyone else, you can get some new features which you can talk, which you can boast about to your friends. Uh, what Sony did talk about was that uh, regardless which PS4 you have, be it the slim, the pro or the original, you can attach a hard drive to it, an external hard drive, and you can use that to you know download games to directly and play games off directly, which is a big plus point because the Xbox One had this massive advantage on the PS4 in this specific department. Because what this essentially means is you don't have to remove your PS4 hard drive and install a new one. You can just use external hard drives, which is a big deal. Uh, but what Sony didn't mention was the boost mode, which I think Mike can explain to us better. So about. before we get to the boost mode, the interesting thing about the hard drive support is Sony's solution to this problem has always been, oh, we've made it very easy for you to replace the internal hard drive. So just do that. But that limited everyone to 4 TB because that's what you get in laptop size hard drives. Now the external hard drive support is up to 8 TB which means you could technically have 12 TB of storage on a single PS4 because a single hard drive is supported. So I think this is another huge deal, at least for me, because I'm still on a 500 GB hard drive deleting <laughs> stuff and crying almost every day. Mm. But uh, yeah, the, the thing they didn't highlight, obviously, because uh, it may not be ready yet, is boost mode, which is a feature which allows unpatched games which released before the PS4 Pro to try and make use of all the power on the PS4 Pro's new GPU. Now, this allows games that don't have a frame rate cap to run much better in most cases, as we've seen. There have been people comparing lots of games like Until Dawn, Just Cause 3, and even some more popular titles like The Witcher 3, which has now almost locked 30 FPS in every area. So, what do you think of this so far, Rishi? Well... The long story short, it essentially makes the PS4 Pro a genuine upgrade over the PS4. Now, I don't know if that's something Sony has intended or wants to do to push the sales further. Because in a recent sales call, uh, Sony did mention that the PS4 Pro sales are looking very good. So to me, this is just a reason for early adopters, guys who bought the PS4 at launch, to pick up a PS4 Pro. And what this essentially means is games that aren't getting official PS4 Pro support, like GTA V like Until Dawn, like Just Cause 3, they'll actually run a lot better. So What about yeah. San Andreas? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, apparently even some of the older PS2 on PS4 classics that Sony released are getting frame rate bumps with this, which is almost making it like running it on a PC emulator where you get to overclock and stuff, which is a very interesting thing. But uh, the, the thing I've, I'm most impressed with about this is this actually shows Sony cares about their customers. Given how far ahead they are of Microsoft this generation, you think they just get complacent and quote-unquote arrogant again. But uh, it actually shows they're just going to blast past Microsoft in every way, even on the software side of things. And their OS weighs at like barely under 400 MB still with so much stuff. 
this is something i had honestly expected from scorpio where your old games will just run better and with sony mandating ps4 pro patches you had people on forum saying please update for ps4 pro on like games it almost became as obnoxious as some people on another platform begging for ports so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> I did. So yeah, so, PC, so PC yeah, gamers tend to do this, that. This this is a really big thing, and it's actually one of the things that makes me want to get a pro more than before. Uh, only for PS4 Pro, right? Nothing for PS4. Uh, PS4 gets everything except for boost. Except mode. for boost mode, okay. So in in addition to that, there are like smaller features like letting people post to their activity feed directly, not requiring social networks, and one of the best features which they've added, which is a user interface change, allows you to access the cloud storage and save files of every game right from the game tile. You mm. don't need to go to settings anymore to access your yeah, save files. Yeah, that was extremely annoying. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you save multiple times, like I do in RPGs. So mm. yeah. and also what's really cool is uh, you can finally use screenshots as, wall- as wallpapers which to me is always a big plus point mm. so yeah i mean it's an interesting update uh, it should hit the general populace by the end of this month because oh, so early march sony usually beta tests um a month before it launches it out mm. but what's it, to me what's the only thing that's a that's a bit of a concern is when they officially announced beta testing for system software 4.5 they never mentioned boost mode mm. boost mode came out through users who who got early access mm. so it could mean one of the two things one it's not ready yet or two uh sony is not confident enough to let the world know that hey this is a thing this exists because at the end of the day this could also cannibalize on playstation 4 slim sales both of us haven't actually tried this because uh Neither of us is stupid enough to install this on our primary console <laughs> because it's beta software. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to risk it. And if we wanted to do that, we'd both own Android phones. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think now it's time we talk about Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah. So speaking of Android phones, um, Nintendo brought a game to iOS and Android at the same time. Big surprise. And another big surprise is that it's not available in India. Is that really a big surprise? Yeah. To be honest, Super Mario Run being available to India was a big surprise. Yeah, iOS exclusive game that is, uh, I mean, used to be six twenty rupees, now is eight hundred after the price hike. Eight uh, hundred rupees for a full unlock. That's basically a premium game which comes to India on launch day. But a free to play title which could make a lot of money that is not available, which was actually quite a bit of a surprise to me. It is because at the end of the day, if you look at how games like Clash of Clans have been performing in India, they've been performing quite well commercially. So to me this is a, a big surprise too. You'd think that okay fine you you open up uh mobile your, your mobile games to to the to developing markets to markets with a large mobile audience. But it's perplexing to see that both India and China are left out. So I mean what's the deal Nintendo why do you why do you discriminate? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also another thing I've noticed at least from what I've read from people who've been playing this every time you launch it almost every day there's a big download. In fact, two days ago, someone had to download 850 MB after opening the app. What? So yeah. Yeah, it depends on the stage you are in the game. So when I first opened the app, I had to download some uh, 46 MB and then 320 MB right after that. But so, after that, I haven't seen a download just yet. So maybe you reach a certain level and then you get more more in-game content. So yeah, this is. Uh, I just wish they'd make people download the whole thing at once. But uh, given how live, given the live nature of this thing, where they keep adding events and contents, this is something which anyone should expect from a quote-unquote gacha-style game from Dana. I mean, yeah. they've been doing this with uh, Final Fantasy over the last, I think, one and a half year in the form of Final Fantasy Record Keeper, which had you let you recruit uh, different uh, heroes. I could say from Final Fantasy games, all of them. and you, it lets you relive some moments and also 
this is basically their version with fire emblem except fire emblem translates much better or uh, given the grid based nature according to me yeah and it's even been a case with other games such as monster strike blood uh, blood brothers puzzles and dragons where the gacha system what it is essentially is it's kind of like gambling where you pay a certain amount of money and you won't know exactly what you're getting so you, uh, it it works in games like overwatch and uh, fifa as well where you pay money for card packs or loot boxes and you get a randomized set of items which you may or may not have owned before so uh it's interesting to see that it trans that it translates obviously better to to the nature of nintendo's fire emblem franchise because of the number of heroes available at your disposal but it'll also be interesting to see how soon before we see uh, crossovers with the rest of nintendo franchises come on mario and fire emblem make it happen <laughs> pikachu and fire yeah, emblem pikachu and fire emblem is one thing i'd like to see because uh, some of your characters can actually transform into dragons to attack the enemy yeah that's so, a fire emblem thing yeah so then i mean you know why not bring something like a charizard in there so that that would be something killer but anyway i mean uh, speaking of the gacha system so in this game you can summon heroes as you just mentioned and as you mentioned th- these heroes you don't really know which hero you're going to get so there's like a 3% chance of you landing a five star gold hero or some legendary character and there are the people i know who've uh, rooted their android phones just so they can re- reload without uh, delinking their account to it yeah. and they've spent like 4 hours trying to get characters from fire emblem awakening they really like in this yeah. game so they don't have to spend money and i'm like just play 5 dollars and get who you want and yeah, get done with it but that's a problem right even if you pay 5 dollars there's no guarantee that you'll get who you want yeah. so you might get like uh, you might roll, like when you summon you might actually get four or five characters all gold five star but then they may not be the exact characters yeah. you want yeah nintendo and nintendo's uh, smartly made uh, all the popular characters they've had in polls across the last two years from fire emblem awakening and from fire emblem fates like tarja and camilla mm. do not google these at work Mm, yeah uh, <laughs> do not do not fire emblem games they've made them very hard to get and i, I i'm just laughing at people trying to like they're yeah, wasting time yeah, trying to yeah. get these characters yeah i i still haven't gotten camilla although like i still think there's a lot of work to be done in this game uh, especially i think some characters need to be nerfed uh, this takumi Lin. yeah lin and takumi are two like really strong characters at the moment uh, takumi in particular he's an archer so what happens is he has this skill that you can learn which is basically a counter attack skill mm-hmm. so even if you are like very far away from the enemy and 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 uh, basically somebody attacks you you can still deal them some damage because he has some killer counter attack stats so that's one thing that i think eventually will will be nerfed in, I, in the game i think what's really interesting is because of the early success of fire emblem heroes we might see sony take uh, its stance with forward works its mobile studio a lot more seriously so they have a game in the works called from Dis- uh, from the disgaea franchise which is also a strategy rpg franchise so it'll be interesting to see if that game as well has the same mechanics as fire emblem heroes yeah i still think nintendo should have brought this to india on uh, on launch day because this is the kind of game that people would want to spend money on i mean it doesn't really feel like a money grab but then so many things depend on luck that you would eventually end up uh, spending money for certain things that you really want i think it's more to do with uh, <clears throat> brand awareness like mario and pokemon uh, franchises which are available outside games and they've been going on for a long time or uh, maybe they thought india is not too aware of fire emblem given its most successful games have been 3ds games which aren't available in india officially yeah but then my counter argument for that would be that if you want to introduce people to a particular set of characters and a particular ip then the best way to do it is to introduce a game on devices they already have 
and yes that if, would encourage them to want to buy the hardware which is again not available officially so yeah. we're in a very tough situation but, if we think yeah. about it that way but then i mean again the other counter argument to all of this is even with the success of the 3ds games you have the biggest selling game in the franchise outside of japan was fire emblem awakening with half a million units that's it and you have an install base on the 3DS worldwide that's i think what 20 25 million 30 million units i think worldwide is 3DS. i think we're crossed 50 as there we go cross 50 you already I have 50 so. million plus devices so it, to me it seems like they've taken a punt on a franchise that's niche and fine it's got that 2.9 million dollars revenue in the first week according to sensor tower now it'll be whether it's able to sustain or not is a point of contention because we've already seen super mario bow out of the top 50 So yeah but then with a uh, Super Mario run it was never really going to stay in the top grossing apps list right it's just one unlock whatever you pay after that you're done right true and also the price is basically too high for most people to try uh, getting it i mean i'm not talking about the like people who really like mario and would pay anything for a mario game but for the general public it's still like a bit too high in my opinion i i think uh, fire emblem is in a very interesting place with nintendo because like rishi mentioned awakening was the most successful game until fate release and awakening was actually the last game they were going to develop and if it wasn't successful the franchise was essentially yeah, going to be yeah, canned yeah. but that game turned out to be so successful that they ended up making three technically games after that for it and now have done remakes and now are doing spin-offs so it's gone from like a small franchise which almost died at nintendo to being one of their flagships yeah kind of I mean, like final fantasy <laughs> <laughs> um no but okay <laughs> the, the i mean this year itself we're getting two fire emblem games on 3ds one is a remake of an nes game and one is a crossover with the warriors basically fire emblem warriors which is on switch as well yeah. so i don't know i think yeah they they really should have made it available in india I mean I can't see a reason like that justifies the fact that it's not available in India. I mean people have smartphones, people will like lap up free to play games and people will download them. whatever Nintendo releases for free and at least try it. Yeah, try. And you know what in this game you can get so far without paying that it's 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 a game that's perfectly suited to the audience over here who you know mm. generally resist paying for games. Well so here's the other possibility, right? I mean even if we look at free to play game behavior in India versus rest of the world and this is something several developers have commented on. uh japan gamers tend to pay up front even in a free to play game before actually playing the sa- to an extent the same applies to european and us audiences with india it's the other way around the monetization is there the monetization in a lot of places is even higher than what it is versus ad revenue on a free to play game but let's be honest nintendo is not going to look at ad revenue yeah. at all they're not going to yeah. do an ad revenue version for india i'm actually glad that they don't and the the games that have like for example star chef which is made locally uh that game has has advertising as well as uh, iaps and even there iaps are the bigger draw but the time it takes to monetize is a lot longer hmm. so i have a feeling someone at nintendo must have done the cost benefit analysis and must have thought okay maybe when we when we're a year down the line and when the games in a better state does it make sense to launch it in markets which don't monetize as well because it's not like i said it's not just india it's it's china as well which is another big market so i have a feeling that someone on the back someone there is probably doing a cost benefit analysis and thinking until we can until it reaches a state where the cost of development is lower until it reaches a state where we're fine letting it go even without high a high level of monetization release it then Because that could be another possibility they need to look at the back end server cost also exactly. because the moment you flip the switch for india you'll have more number of people downloading it than the us and probably mm. a lot of the uk combined yeah 
So maybe it's another one of those things because even I think of it like when I spoke to you about this and you were mentioning the gacha element and I was like, okay, if you don't, if you want a Fire Emblem game without all that, like I have four of them on the mm. 3DS right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the wait timers are just very annoying, honestly. Like, you know, <laughs> Welcome to gacha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thing that a lot of mobile gamers outside of Asia and Japan are getting used to now and it's and i have a feeling we're going to see more western we're going to see western games take take it to another level soon enough mm-hmm. i won't be surprised if the next fallout shelter game there is going to be a sequel let's be honest here mm. it's probably going to take it's probably going to use gacha to a large degree as well so it's a thing yeah i mean but i will say this about fire emblem heroes is that it's the first game first free to play game with uh, in app purchases where i've actually felt like paying I mean, I don't never reach that stage. I usually think that it's a free-to-play game with IAPs. So, you know, let's not. Do it. Yeah. But once I start, I know I'll probably be bankrupt and, you know, sitting on the road asking people to lend me money for Fire Emblem. But That's uh, still better than sitting on the road asking people to port games to your platform. But <laughs> Hating. <laughs> or you could just pick up the games on 3DS with the 3DS. Yeah. You know you want to. <laughs> yeah, eventually that's the feeling I get with all these Nintendo games. It's uh, whatever they're releasing on smartphones at least. Better versions are available on Nintendo consoles. So if you like these, definitely go ahead and get a console. Check those out. What I want to out. see is how this uh, impacts their sales because Pokemon is essentially carried Sun and Moon. Yeah. Sun and Moon are already almost at 15 million worldwide. Yeah. Which is like, I think the third best-selling 3DS game ever. And then even Pokemon X and Y got a boost to 16 million, which is insane because that game is mediocre. Hmm. So yeah, I want to see how this helps Fire Emblem with the 3DS remake of the NES game and with Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah, we'll also find out how much of it is just because people know the IP and want a game with the IP. Oh, definitely. And how much of it is actually because the game is really good. Yeah, speaking of Nintendo hardware and games on Nintendo hardware... Uh, I'm sure you guys checked out that some new stuff happening with FIFA on Switch, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Switch. Game Reactor got to interview Peter Moore of EA. He's the chief something officer. <laughs> Esports now. Chief competition officer. Yeah. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> at, uh, at EA, and they managed asking him a few questions about FIFA on the Switch because uh, that's the only game EA is committed to bringing to it right now. And he basically said. Uh, when, when when asked if it was a port of the PS4 or Xbox One or whether it was a port of the PS3 or 360 versions of FIFA, which both are vastly different, uh, he said it's a custom-built one from EA Vancouver made solely for the Nintendo Switch and it will be called FIFA 18 and will release later this year. Cool story, bro, but I don't know. It's I mean, EA's support with Nintendo has been tenuous at best. We've seen this with the Wii U. We've seen this even with the Wii. Uh, even on the 3DS, which is a successful platform, I can't remember the last thing which had EA's like, logo on the side. Hmm. So it's to me, it's interesting because uh, in the past, we've, we've, we've heard a lot of rumors that uh, FIFA would be coming to the NX as it was known then. And uh, there were talks going on at a very high level between Nintendo and EA. But to come out and say it's a custom version, which is very weird because in the past... The most Nintendo platforms have got out of EA were ports of existing games. So the Wii U got a port of Mass Effect 3. Uh, the FIFA games were ports of existing versions on the PS3 as well, on the for the Wii U at least. So uh, for them to commit and say it's a custom version is interesting. But then I wouldn't take it at face value as well because... Uh, 
if the feature set isn't on par compared to what you get on the PS4 and Xbox One, there will be problems. Yeah, basically don't make another FIFA mobile. Exactly, because at the end of the day, people want FUT draft. People want uh, proper F- uh, pr- proper access to the, the, to the FUT market. People want to be able to play online with their friends. So, it'll be, so whether these are broken or not remains to be seen. And what, FIFA games are usually out in September, October? Yeah. So they have, I mean, there is still time. It's not a launch title. But will EA actually come to the party or not still remains to be seen because this is a company that cannot be trusted when Nint- where Nintendo is concerned. Mm. Yeah, and anyway, I don't see anybody on the well, who has a Nintendo Switch really looking forward to a FIFA game. I mean, the, that's, the, yeah. that's the vicious circle we get into because I was reading about someone asking Ubisoft whether For Honor would be on the Switch. And I just thought to myself, one, I don't want to play that game in the first place. And two, if I wanted to, I wouldn't be doing it on the Switch. Yeah. But the problem is when you look at the general public, when these big titles like FIFA are not there on the platform, it just loses relevance for them straight out. So right now, if without FIFA, without other games, like even Mass Effect, if you count, you're just going to keep selling your thing to Nintendo fans instead of like normal other platform gamers as well. But the other counter argument is if the platform's successful enough, everyone will show up. So we saw this with Call of Duty. Call of Duty ended up having a few releases on the Wii. Yeah. And even we saw... It had DS also, like two, three releases on the DS. Exactly. And we even saw a version of Black Ops available for the Wii U. So point is... And uh, ghosts. Exactly, and ghosts. So point is, it is a possibility, but uh, it also, it, it just depends how well the Switch sells. And I don't know, I mean, the way I see it, yes, at launch, there will be a shortage, but after that, remains to be seen. Second shipment is apparently happening in April, going by a few retailers. So the first shipment seems to be sold out everywhere because it's impossible to get right yeah. now. Yeah, and Which Game, is of 2 million. And GameStop and Target are cancelling pre-orders. So that that's a sign of... I don't know if it's a sign of how well it's doing great, but let's see if it sustains. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, let let the console ship first because pre-orders is something that I'm very, very like, I mean, wary of always because people can cancel pre-orders anytime and then you never know like how many of those uh, units will actually ship. Will there be a shortage or not? True. So, um, I mean, closer to launch, we'll have a better idea about all of this. Um, So, yeah, I think that's all about Switch and there's something else that we should probably talk about, which is... uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, it's a closed beta and it's yeah. really bad. So, you know, I think we're done. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> now, now. So, yeah, it's just like the first Ghost Recon game in almost five years, at least on consoles. The last one was this really nice third-person shooter called uh, Future Soldier, which, ha- which had a co- cool sci-fi element to it Was and had like some really cool things like cloaking drones and the like. It was pretty nice. Uh, but this time around, Ubisoft decided to make the game like every other game open world and online only uh no no it's not online only no they're saying it's not online only they may flip the switch later like with for honor okay where they later announced that for honor's single player campaign was on is going to be online only but right now it's not and it was quite disappointing uh the game basically starts off almost immediately where you're a u.s agent on bolivian soil trying to put an end to a drug cartel and you, you can bring four, three other friends along. But the game world looks nice. It's It's got this nice mix of, of wilderness and some urban areas. And it's got like these massive peaks with snow, uh, snow-capped peaks and these dense forests. It's got some great visual variety, but it's got no personality. If, if we were to compare it to even the Assassin's Creed games or even The Division, where, you know, New York has 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 its own sense of identity this has nothing it feels like a copy paste of every 
open world game I've played in the last God knows how many years. So that's really disturbing. And worst part is the mission structure is just boring. You can just like, you, you have to do the same things over and over again. Be it assassinating someone or, you know, stealing a car or whatever. It just feels so rote. It's just bad. So bad. Yeah. But that's something, you know, I mean, just to move away from this topic yeah. a bit. I felt the same thing with Fire Emblem Heroes as well. The story mode was quite weak, honestly. I mean, it's the same thing. There's, I mean, some people are attacking your world. You got to go there, rescue those heroes and free them from the tyranny of this evil princess. And you do it over and over again with every single world. So I thought that, you know, that particular element uh, could have been a lot better. But you probably got bored after the first hour, right? Or yeah. two hours yeah. or three hours. Yeah. We're talking first five minutes here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the rot has really set in. Yeah. In the first five minutes, it was, I almost fell asleep. And mm. that's a very bad sign. Because the game's out in March and... Uh, yeah, not looking good for it at all. Not looking good at all. I mean, it'll be great with friends, but then which game isn't? I mean, the... the Payday 2. Huh? <laughs> Payday 2 is good with friends. Piece of garbage game. <laughs> How? How is it so bad? It was good with friends. It's one of launch. the worst designed games I've ever played. Well, the and cover looked the, nice. That's all. That's it, the only good thing about it. It's it's one of the few games I've actually sold back to a store. You just said, just take it away from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to break it. It's so bad. <laughs> that bad? Yes. Yikes. No amount of friends can save that game. I mean, you'd need Seinfeld to save that game. And that's the end of my bad joke. <laughs> yeah, so basically a joke about nothing. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I hope Wildlands isn't that bad, but it's bad enough. And it just goes to show that game development, I think game design in itself has reached a brick wall. At least on AAA. You, you can't keep putting an open world into everything. It's not going to work. You need to look at different ideas or at least go back to the old school stuff because if if all an open world still gives you limitations on what you can do and how you can do, unless it's a GTA or a Red Dead Redemption where there is some thought to it, it becomes a problem. I think uh, the new Hitman has implemented this open world concept in small areas like sandboxes really well. Maybe if they did something like that, it would be good. Oh yeah, that actually would be a cool way to go because it because imagine playing Hitman in co-op like with cameras and all looking at everyone and you're talking to people in a party and doing that's something which they should consider for season two. But when I saw the ghost recon reveal at like, I think E3 2015. Yeah. I mean, the timing was also perfect because it was at like 3 a.m. or something. And I was like, just end this and end me now. With this <laughs> Tom Clancy nonsense. It all looks the same generic open world stuff. And yeah, so it turns out I was right. <laughs> yeah, but some of us want to believe. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's just like disappointing, and it and like yeah, I mean, Hitman in a in a co-op situation would be really cool. Even even Yakuza did, took the open world concept and made it work in a small area really yeah. well. But this barren stuff, like kind of like how the bad parts of MGS Five. Oh no no, MGS Five is god tier compared to this. Oh, and I was disappointed with MGS Five hmm. as a long term fan. Yeah, long time fan, I was super disappointed. <laughs> but that is like the perfect game versus this. So you could that can tell you how. Dismal, I, uh, it, I can tell you how dismal Ghost Recon Wildlands is. But, and like I said, right, I mean, Hitman in a, in a co-op situation would be really cool. And even the concept of hubs, like even Dishonored does it really well. So does uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, where they take specific, where they take chunks of areas, fill them with detail and give, let you have your run of the place. And it does it fantastically well. Here you're just commuting between one stretch of, undeveloped land to another stretch of undeveloped land and some things may or may not happen along the way so it gets a little tiresome yeah so basically you won't be buying eight copies of this game across three platforms right it's not deus ex yeah. or dishonored so <laughs> no 
no chance oh yakuza 0 oh yeah <laughs> oh wait i did that <laughs> well played okay so i suppose that's all we have for this episode and we will see you with another episode of transition next week the music in this show comes via soulai.se which is from magnus soulai polson it's from the album ppp ppp which is a soundtrack of the game vvv vvv as always don't forget to rate us on itunes and follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360